So, I like to always start out uh, with something that's fresh in my mind, and one of those things that's come up fresh in my mind lately, uh, as we have kids in the house, they always pop up with new things to say. And uh, phrases come up regularly as a kid, and as they grow up, those phrases are less cute. <laughs> Maybe more uh, with a little bit of attitude behind it. And uh, lately, we've got one who, no matter what is said, at the end of every statement, it's, who cares? Which, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that this, this young uh, person even thinks about what it is. And I think that's even the problem, that there's not thought behind it. When we say, don't hit your sister, who cares? You know, or we've corrected uh, this one a little bit lately, and they just don't understand, and they end up, who cares? Like, so we have a talk about this, who cares? And it gets a little under my skin. But then, as I uh, was preparing for this lesson, I sort of recall some things I used to say. As a youth, <laughs> that may or may not have been similar, uh, I recall a few phrases that were, for my time, was, so what, who cares, big deal, right? That was one thing. Or there was big, fat, hairy deal, that was another thing you could say. Uh, or cool your jets was another thing. Or don't have a cow, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. All of which are not well thought out statements and a lot of times our words start out as something maybe we pick up somewhere along the line and it just gets programmed into our mind and we say it and there's no thought behind it and that is something to really think about is our words just come rolling out and we don't put the time to reprogram the things we should not be saying what I think is an interesting thing is it is often our children and those around us who hear us saying things that we don't even think about. Maybe we don't have the same intention, but it's carelessness that we use those phrases oftentimes and we don't think about it. And it's oftentimes, I think, that life is not full of Lots of great mountaintop experiences. Life is full of a whole lot of days in between those exciting mountaintop experiences in our life. A whole lot of days that are the same, that are not exciting, that are get up and go to work, go to school, do the things you got to do, wash the dishes, do the laundry, do all the things, clean the house. All of those things are very, very boring in life oftentimes. And so I think a lot of times we always are just looking for that next thing uh, that's exciting. And we, we're hoping for just a bunch of time to pass quickly in between those exciting times when God's going to do something great or exciting in our life. There's a lot of repetition. And with that repetition, we get complacent. There's difficulty sometimes, drudgery even at times, and oftentimes just repetitiveness in life. 
But that's where we need to take care that our life doesn't uh, reflect that type of an attitude where, eh, who cares? Right? We've got to watch ourselves in that attitude always. And I, I know what happens. I got, woke up the other morning. It was just some little dumb thing. I think I had an eyelash. You ever had one come off and stuck in your eye? And you just can't get it out. You can't find And it's really, really annoying. And it's all you can think about because your eye hurts and you're trying to blink it a whole bunch. And all of a sudden, you just don't notice it anymore and it all went away. Because on its own, it worked its way out, but you didn't think about it. And the moment the pain went away, you forgot about it. And God does those things in our lives. He brings us experiences, and he wants us to grow closer to him, whether they're great and joyful experiences or sometimes difficult experiences. Uh, We're in them, and we're intense, and we're like, yes, we want God to be close to us. And then comes the rest of life, and soon we just forget about it. Soon as the pain is gone, soon as the joy is gone, it kind of fades away quick. And we forget we're easy at forgetting. And we so easy fall into a rut. That time in our life where, eh, it's kind of boring. And we get an attitude about it. Oftentimes we get that attitude and we become complacent. So God knows this about us humans, right? And we've been talking about the commandments. Started a series on the Ten Commandments, and oftentimes we are tempted to think that the things in the Old Testament, the law, have no applicability to us. Christ said that he did not come to change the law, but to fulfill the law. So it's to understand what is behind the law. God created the law for a purpose. And it was to show us how sinful we were, how we couldn't stand up to it. But there are great things to pull from learning and understanding God's law. And so we've gone through uh, the first couple of commandments. Uh, The very first one was, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay? One is, no other gods. And with no other gods, our primary thing is to focus on God. Oftentimes we forget that, right? We forget to focus on God. But if we learn to focus our lives through the lens of what God has for us to do, then we start to see life as we ought to see it. Focus on Him. The second one we did was there shall be no graven images. Okay, no graven images. In other words, don't try to draw me, create me, make a statue of me. And why is that? Because is it wrong to create a statue? It's not wrong to create a statue. The idea is behind it all that God is a spirit. And so anything else but understanding spirit to spirit will not get full understanding. You'll miss something major. And God says, you'll get focused on the wrong things. You'll lose sight of what I'm doing. And so, 
It says in John chapter 4, we can turn there quickly, John chapter 4. This is an important verse to understand. John chapter 4, verse number 24. (coughs) Directly about God, the reason why God says no graven images, you're not going to make an image of me, is because of this. John chapter 4, verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're focusing on God, and we're letting the other things melt away. That's the idea. Now, with number three, the third, uh, the third of the Ten Commandments, we're going to turn back, way back in the beginning of our Bible to Exodus chapter number 20. As we read that, chapter 20, verse number 7, and we will pick out our number three number three commandment Exodus chapter 20 verse number 7 thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain so the first question that you need to know and need to understand is what is taking something in vain all right. The word vain, if you look it up, it means lacking substance. Okay. Lacking substance is one way to look at it. Lacking worth. Okay. Or in other words, fruitless. So if you use God's name... In a fruitless way. If you use it in a way that lacks substance or worth, then you really just don't understand God. Because in his name, in his very name, there is depth. And there is wisdom. And there is love. And there is kindness. And all of those things are represented by all of, not only just the name of God himself, but all the other names of which we find out represent God. Okay, we talk about the Lamb of God. We've gone through a whole series about what is he's the good shepherd. Okay, he's the door. We go through a whole series of God's names and what it is in God's name. And so to take God's name or his reputation and say, eh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? We have to be careful about that. Now, how do we approach that? Well, here's what we need to look at very first. In order to do that, underlying in our words is something very important. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6, verse number 45. The core of what's happening, and as we understand the commandments of God, there is a depth to each of them. There is a depth to each of them. Something behind it. And when Christ came to earth and he did the Sermon on the Mount, he added depth 
to what people thought that they had gotten so correct over the years. They'd come down to the letter of the law, and here's exactly what it does. And Jesus came out and reached and said, you don't understand the law. There's intent behind the law. God is behind his words. So John chapter 45, as we look at taking the name of the Lord in vain, what does it mean? John chapter 645, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. When we become careless in our words, what that verse right there that Jesus said is, we've become careless in our attitude. Because the things that are going on in our hearts are what rolls off our tongue. The things that are going on in abundance in our hearts is what rolls off of our tongue. That's scary. Because I've said some things in my life that I say, boy, I didn't mean to say that. Maybe I did. Maybe that was what was inside and deep of me. Maybe I need to go and take a quick check of what's really happening. All right? So we have to beware of our words to not be careless. And that is what we need to get from. It is all about attitude. Okay? It is all about our attitude, not being careless. And so our attitude is the core of how we treat God and how we treat others. All the people around us. Those words that roll out of our tongue come from an overflowing part of us. And we like to say, oh, the kids, they need to learn better. Or those teenagers, boy, they got an attitude. Well, we just need to be careful because those teenagers pick them up from those parents. That's who they pick them up from. They pick them up from things around that are allowed to be. Maybe a careless word said here or there. Maybe a careless word or a careless attitude said around the adults in their life. We have to always be aware of what we do and what we say and how we treat people. The third commandment is about our approach to God. And if it's a careless approach to God or a bored approach to God, I'm so bored with this. Like a relationship that's been around for a long time and there's just a lot of those days of the same old thing, the same old thing. We get complacent. We get complacent in our relationships. We get complacent if we're married for a long time or even sometimes not a long time. The magic can go away, right? And we're like, yeah, that's just how it is. And the words start to roll out that maybe we shouldn't let roll out. But be careful, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if the attitude is wrong inside when we approach all people around us, then the attitude is going to be wrong when we approach God. And all of the places we are. It starts in the core of who we are. 
oftentimes we forget love. We forget God's love to us. And we have seen it and we've heard it. If we've believed in the Lord for years and years, I heard this story. I've heard many people say this, not just teenagers. Yeah, I know those stories. Mm -hmm. I got them. I'm all down. I understand them. But I know that a good pastor, a good minister can preach again and again and again on the same topic. Not because he has some amazing mind, but because God is in the core of what he's teaching. If the Spirit of God gives you freshness, then you could read and read and read and read that same passage, and God can refresh it to you. And it should be like that first day you fell in love, right? That's the idea behind it. I'm not bored with God, but I'm excited to see what God will do. And if that's not the abundance of our heart, then we need to take a check on it. And God always goes, we can always go to God for forgiveness and for change because he knows that we're humans, right? And that's why he said, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Now, what does that really mean? We said, don't let it be fruitless. Don't let it be without substance or worth. Taking God's name in vain, number one, we're going to do it like this. We're going to say, one thing you could do is this. Say, I am a Christian. And then go out in the world. And everybody fails to see how Christian-like you are. If you don't live like the name of your Lord is, though him who you've gotten forgiveness and salvation and freedom from, if you can't, if people can't tell that in your life, then you're not representing God's name. We are to represent God's name as we walk out. And if we are lacking substance, we are lacking worth. If we are fruitless in what we do in our lives, then we ought to check our attitude. I mean that for me. Lots of days. Some days I just don't feel like it. Some days I just want to be a little cranky about things. But you know what that's called? We got another word for it, and everybody hates it. Say, I'm a Christian and not live like it. That's called a hypocrite. A hypocrite. Nobody wants to be called a hypocrite, but that's what those words mean, right? I say I'm a Christian, and then I go out into the world, and no one can tell because there's no fruit. You say one thing and do another. And that's where we have to be aware of our words. I'm often kind of concerned about this in my life. And I, it takes me a long time to say things to people. Because I'm always afraid. I'm going to say, yeah, I am a church. And yeah, I go and I teach this and do that. I'd rather people find out who I am first. And I guess there's just a little bit of... Uh, 
me being just concerned that I might say a few things that I shouldn't have said. I don't want that to be the first thing that they notice is, ah, the guy says he's a Christian. We ought to watch out for him. I'd rather them say, what is it about you? You're weird. I've been told that lots of times. Okay, that works. Weird's okay with me. As long as that points back to God because it's, it's foreign to them. God may be foreign to them and probably is foreign to the people that are around you and work around you and do things around you. But let it not be said that I'm going to not have substance or worth in the things I say. When I'm going to say something, let's hope that I've lived the life I need to. Not perfect, and that's not what I'm saying, but live the life and so that people know he doesn't claim to be something he's not. He doesn't claim to be perfect, but he claims to know God, and we've seen it. That's what we want. That is having your life lived in a fruitful way, and your words match. Okay? The next thing is, number two, as we break this down, I'm going to write in here a promise. Made to God. Now, lots of people think, well, you take the name of the Lord's God, uh, Lord's name in vain, and that is swearing or using things. And certainly, anything that you do that's fruitless, that all fits in the category. But I think these are a little deeper understanding of really what makes your life fruitful. How do you approach God? Do you approach Him with the attitude of worship? You approach others so that they understand that you live a life that's true and not a hypocrite. And the second thing is when I make a promise to God, make sure my words matter because they do matter. If we don't keep our promise to God, then what good are we? I grew up... Watching all cowboy movies and military movies, right? And all the basis of them was good against evil. Uh, the guys in the white hats versus the guys in the black hats and all the different things. And you knew that they were supposed to be men of honor. And how did you know they were men of honor? Because they kept their word. Right? That was what it was taught. I said I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it. Also known as integrity, Right? Right? I keep my word. So be careful of what promises you make in front of God. Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Back a little bit here in Matthew chapter 5. Verse number 33 This specifically is a part that Jesus addresses about swearing an oath or making a promise. Okay? You're saying, I swear I will do this. Okay? Verse number 33. Again, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, 
for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall thou swear by thy own head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In other words, if you're going to say you're going to do something, do it. Think before you speak. Approach God with a worshipful heart. And don't go up and say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this this time, God. If you just help me out of this situation, I'm going to do this. Don't make rash promises to God. Something I want you to think about, and you say, well, I've never done that. I don't swear to God any time. Say, I'm going to do something and that not do it. I want you to think, because in this church, I have watched every one of you and done it myself. Every time we dedicate a child, that child, we make a promise as a church. You and me, everybody here, we make a promise. And every time... At the end of that promise, and we say we will do our best to make a place where these kids can be raised up and worship. That's a promise in front of God. Not only those parents make a promise, we make that promise. And we make a promise that as God reminds us, we'll pray for that child. And it may not be for five years or ten years or 25 years, but we've made a promise, and every time the words are spoken, God will hold you to it. So be aware that you have made a commitment for this place to be a place to have young ones grow up. There's hundreds of churches out there that have no use for youth. We will not be one of them because you have promised and I have promised. And it's that important. We promised it to God, in front of God. And so when we do those things, be aware, are we doing that? Are we helping? Are we praying for those children? Are we doing as God reminds us, and we make a specific promise, are we doing those things that uphold this place so that my kids and your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids can know the Lord so the circle will be unbroken? That's why we make that promise. And so this, this one thing says treat the Lord with respect, right? Do not... Not take name of Lord in vain. Treat God with respect. Treat his name with respect. You wear it as you go out into the world. Make sure that what you say and what you do, that they mesh together with what, the, what you're saying, what you're doing. Make sure I, what I say and what I do, Mesh together. I want to finish up in Luke chapter 43, or chapter 6, verse 43. 
Luke chapter 6. We were just here a short while ago. Uh, Verse 43. This is what Jesus said just before he said, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 43. For a good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. So what this says is we should watch if our attitude is thorns and our attitude is that bramble bush. Don't expect our words to come out as beautiful fruit. It will not happen that way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Make sure we are careful to use God's name with fruit in our lives, to approach God in such a way with worship, with heart, and not so bored. Not say, I don't care. But approach God with a way that we do care. And we show it by the way we live. And what we say is careful and calculated and thought out before it just rolls out of our tongue. Things to think about, to be attentive to God each day draws us nearer to make sure our words are carefully said and that they are all fruitful. Thank you very much. Have a good day.